Welcome, Temple family and friends. We're so glad to have you joining us for another episode of Temple Talk. This podcast aims to engage our faith community through thoughtful biblical discussions centered on God's Word. Our goal is to explore Scripture together to discover the wisdom it has for our lives. In this podcast, we'll be diving deep into God's truths and discussing how they impact our daily living. We're eager to unpack the riches of the Bible with you all, our extended church family. And now, here's Temple Talk. Welcome, Temple family and friends, to another episode of Temple Talk. Uh, Happy 2024. Happy Happy New New Year! Year! Yes! Uh, And uh, we are really excited about this episode. I will... uh, I will say, so this episode title um, that Dr. Ewart was giving us was All Things New. Yes. And Bennett and I have been talking before we started this for almost 45 minutes, back and (laughs) forth, just kind of figuring out where we are on all of this, Mm. um, and then have just been kind of doing deep dives and tangents and looking things up and talking through things. Debating things. Yep. (laughs) Uh, and it's been to, fun. Leading you to salvation. Thank you, Ben. Yeah. I do appreciate that. <laughs> no, it's been a lot of fun. And in in a, a way that you described it, Tuck, that I thought was a beautiful way to, you know, go over this is as we're working through this passage in Second Corinthians, um, Dr. Ewart intentionally reveals the ripples on the surface of some very deep wells mm-hmm. uh, that we're gonna touch. Um, we're gonna talk through. Uh, some election and predestination topics, um, along with giving uh, our listeners a, a good balance of understanding some soteriology views, uh, some of the most common ones, and then uh, we're going to just keep working through this passage, and uh, hopefully it's a tool that can, one, either ask some tough questions, uh, but two, lead all of us into studying the Word of God so that the Lord can really reveal um, where we stand while taking into consideration wise theologians of the early church and, you know, of, uh, of the Reformation uh, to inform us on uh, kind of some stances that, uh, and where we stand in these topics. So I'm excited about this. I'm excited about all things are new. I'm a big fan of uh, new years. I'm a big fan of new things. Tuck, do you have any amazing resolutions or challenges uh, or perspectives or intentions that you have this year? Uh, I We are going to try our best um, to continue to do good things. Um, there is a big sign as you go into our neighborhood that says New Year's resolutions are made slowly and broken quickly. Mm. And it, it hurt our soul to see it, but it's so true sometimes yeah. is that it, you know, just kind of on a whim, you, you lose the things that you had planned for. So we're, we've gotten away from these grand resolutions and we're just going to try and be healthier um, and be in the Bible more. I'm like, I'm so contradictory to that. <laughs> I really am. Like every year, man, I'm a kind of guy where uh, if I don't, if I'm not resolute, if I don't clearly define, if I don't frame, pray through, and begin to work towards uh, goals, then um, I kind of have, I know that I will not meet the expectations mm. of what I've done. Um, I don't think all resolutions are just broken. I think that wise ones are fulfilled, uh, and I do think that uh, they're very healthy. While saying that, this year, guess what my convictions were? I'm going to write down intentions. 
Like I, I literally, and it's so frustrating to say that, but yeah, same thing, working towards two main primary categories for me and my family, and that is uh, some intentionality in journaling and reflective prayer mm-hmm. time. And then the other one uh, that is a primary for us is uh, scripture memorization. And so those two are things that I'm working on, but then I also have my private little personal goals um, that I've articulated. But it's kind of more intentionality and, and working towards that uh, while continuing to dive deeper into the study uh, of healthy rhythms of life, life and rest uh, where I'm abiding in Christ and yet uh, yoked to him and the burden is easy and light. And so um, these things are kind of what I'm spending a lot of my time this year uh, focusing on, not so much some of the measurables that I usually do. Mm-hmm. I do have one for book reading, but outside of that, uh, the rest are more immeasurable, uh, uh, more intentional, um, kind of uh, more emphasis in my life. Mm-hmm. And so I'm with you there, bud. Um, well, let's let's jump in. Let's do it. Yeah. So, so Dr. Your his sermon was about the transformative power of salvation in Christ. Yeah. And he highlighted the profound, and he used uh, alliteration to help us, chance, champion, and change that it brings to believers. Yes. Um, so we were, we're, we're discussing here salvation. And like you said, this is a deep well that right. people have been debating on for centuries mm-hmm. and millennium um, and to figure out the and mystery. And we solved it. And we solved it. We got it. give it to you. So... Four easy payments of nine ninety nine. <laughs> so one of the things that I was telling Tuck about this is, you know, when I first began to really own my personal relationship with Jesus Christ, that means not, not, not come to saving knowledge, but begin actually owning it and changing the way that I live and steward my time, my thought processes, my 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 worldview uh, through Scripture and through my relationship with God. I came to the conclusion that I'm going to solve these two things. One in for yourself, yeah. For, yep. for me, I was going to be able to clearly know and end the debate uh, on two categories. One of them is how can in Scripture it say that God hardened the heart of Pharaoh, which led to uh, the Passover and the oldest of all the households of these children being killed? Um, and uh, how can God be the one that made it happen. And that really, I had a hard time with that. Mm -hmm. And then the other topic was this uh, really satiriology, this debate on Arminianism versus Calvinism. And uh, and so I did a deep dive into these things. And uh, my objective was to come to the solution. And uh, we're actually touching on those today. Um, And so... So for those of of, of us who aren't clear on definitions, um, you said... Calvinism and Arminianism. Right. Personally, I had heard of Calvinism my entire life. Um, yeah. I was I was told we are not Calvinisms, but I had never heard Arminianism. Right. Um, so we we had gone through in the last hour or so um, the definitions. So just right. for everyone, so we're on the same page of what we're talking about. Can you kind of go through what those two? theories of thought are. Yeah, so when you've got Calvinism versus Arminianism, you've got John Calvin uh, and James Jacob Arminius. And so these two men um, that lived during uh, the Reformation time, uh, they came up with an ability to articulate 
from a biblical perspective, soteriology, and that is uh, the belief in how one is saved or justified. And so um, I just would say, you know, overall, uh, what we're talking about here are the words of man to articulate the justification that takes place in the soul of a person when they accept Christ as their Lord and Savior. Right. So we're we're. I just want to say that this is this is this is man-made articulation. Right. Okay. And so that's why this is a you know a, dig, a big debate. Um, so uh, there's five points of Calvinism that they would describe is uh, total depravity unconditional election, limited atonement, irresistible grace, the perseverance of the saints, and these five, the acronym is TULIP. So if you hear references, and if you go back and listen to his sermon, uh, Dr. Ewart does a reference of TULIP, and he makes a joke about the five points. And and for those that understand Calvinist theology— um, is, you know, these are the five ways that you describe it, these, these five letters that represent these five points of Calvinism. And, and we're not going to spend a ton of time dipping into all of those, but on the other side, the, these, these five points of really Arminianism uh, is that, you know, compared to total depravity, you've got the free will of man <laughs> and conditional election or uh, general atonement or universal redemption is another one. Um, the Holy Spirit can be effectually resisted. Like I can, I can resist God versus Calvin's view of irresistible grace. Mm-hmm. I can reject the gospel. I can reject the gift of salvation. Um, also, Arminius believes that you can fall from grace. Um, those who believe uh, and are truly saved can lose their salvation by failing to keep their faith. And so these two camps are are used often in the consistent debate. Uh, And the way one person put it that I found it really funny um, is I'm neither a Calvinist or Arminius, or or, I'm neither Calvinist or Arminian, I'm I'm a Biblicist. (laughs) And while I do think it is incredibly important to study the men uh, that have come before us as they've articulated their theology, and God has revealed a lot of things through them for us today. Um, I also, uh, the Word of God is sovereign. It rules, it reigns, it is perfect, and it sits above the articulation of man. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's something really important that we come to, because some people, they place the words of man above the Word of God and I think it's always just a healthy disposition to acknowledge that the Word of God speaks for itself while we can support our understanding of the Word of God with the Word of man. The Word of man doesn't define the Word of God. Does that right. make sense? Yeah, absolutely. You know, and Philippians 2 tells us, um, work out your own salvation. And so I believe that is a, a very true thing that that we need to be digging into the Bible itself, as you were saying, and figuring out where we stand, wh- how we read this. You know, the Holy Spirit is within us and can help us translate the Bible. And then we can look and we can see what other people have thought. There, there are many very smart people who have devoted their lives to reading and interpreting the gospel. But for every... Calvin, there is a Armenian 
Ar- Arminius, yeah. Yeah. you know, that seem to say different things. So yeah. it's it's hard to say, well, I'm just going to go to this person and and believe what they believe. It, it's not going to work that way for us. Right. And and for someone like for someone like me, as I sit and I look through um, John Calvin's articulation of his stance. Um, the reason why I don't sit there and say I'm a staunch five-point Calvinist is because uh, there's two of his topics that I wouldn't phrase them the way that he phrased them. I get his intent of how he's communicating them, um, but I think it miscommunicates. It actually does for me. It miscommunicates something, and so I would rearrange them in a way to still communicate the biblical perspective um, but I do find myself leaning more uh, in that camp. And so what I would love to do with you is well, let us walk through 2 Corinthians and, uh, and let us go. Uh, we're going to touch on 2 Corinthians. We're going to jump into Ephesians. Um, we've referenced Philippians. Um, John 16 is going to be touched here. And this is all for the very first two points uh, <laughs> as we try to navigate and unpack uh, the chances of salvation. And I'll go ahead and point out, since you said that you lean more towards the Calvinist side, right. you know, you and I had discussed, I lean more towards the Arminian side right. as far as the way that he phrases things. Um, articulates it, yep. And, and we came to the conclusion, you and I are still brothers. That's right. We are still Christians. Yes. And we are still working out our own faith. And we also have the discussion that, you know, sometimes our views on the Bible change That's as right. we as we navigate and study because we don't know everything. Right. The, the revelation of who he is and how he operates as I grow in my understanding of him, his character, and the world I find myself in, it reveals more and more my ignorance, my <laughs> brokenness, and my need for a savior, but also my limitations to comprehend that which is incomprehensible, right? right? And so uh, so that's where I consistently keep coming back to, man, the word of God that is sovereign, that rules, that reigns, that's perfect, uh, it is inerrant, it is where I will continue to be anchored in, but my confidence in saying I know it all decreases as time goes on. Well, and we're using my limited vocabulary right. of the English human language right. to describe ideas of a sovereign and holy God. That is removed from that time. Is removed from time yeah. and space and everything else that, you know, eventually we just have to say, ultimately, I believe in God. I believe that God has this and he has told me to have confidence in my salvation whatever that looks like. Right. And and my job is to do the best I can to live the best life mm-hmm. and to bring other people to it. That's right. Yep. So obey the word of God to live by the Bible uh, and then continue to have a humble spirit as we keep studying. So let's do it. Let's jump in. So we got 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I'm going to start in verse 16. It says, Therefore, from now on we recognize no one according to the flesh. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet we know him in this way no longer. So um, 
Dr. Hubert doesn't teach on that right there, but he references it. Uh, Paul is writing through describing the process of people that have known Christ when he walked and then known the resurrected Christ and then the ascended Christ. And so we know him no longer in this way. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things have passed away. Behold, new things have come. Now, all these things are from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, namely that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and he was committed to us, and he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were making an appeal through us, we beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. So this passage of scripture, he touches a a pleading and a begging to be reconciled. He acknowledges the sovereignty of God, that we were dead in our sins, the consequences of the fallen nature, the consequences of sin in the world, and our death brought back to life, resurrected as Christ was. Um, He acknowledges that God's the only one that does it, that can do it, and it's done through the person of Christ. Um, And so let's jump in and let's walk through uh, those points that Dr. Ewart brought up, uh, Mm -hmm. the chance and the champion and then the change. Because he, at the beginning of this message, he jumped in and he described how difficult it is just by mere observation to look at a person and come to the conclusion on whether or not they're saved or not. Mm-hmm. We don't walk around with a big scarlet letter on our chest that says E-elect, which was a joke that he made, right? <laughs> and so we don't, we don't get to—I don't get to judge that. I'm not the judge, but it's very difficult for me to be able to look at a human and just immediately be able to come to an understand, understood knowledge of they're saved or they're not saved. With that being said, we do acknowledge that they will know you by your fruit right. and the fruit of our working out our salvation, right? The, the way that we are Christ, the way that we love, right? You will be known that you are my disciple by the way that you love. These things will become evident that we're followers of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. I've actually been served in restaurants or in different capacities where I could tell that the waiter or the person serving me was a Christian. And I asked them because of just the way that they were, the way that they acted, the way that they served, the way that they encouraged, the way that they carried themselves. And I would ask us, are you a believer in Jesus Christ? I said, yes, I am. And, and, and I could just tell by the way that they treated me, mm-hmm. right? And so that can happen. The fruit is not something to be overlooked. I'm just coming to that conclusion. Let us not overlook the fruit and the impact of the fruit. That's in the Word of God. It's incredibly important. But for each and every single believer, their salvation and whether or not they're saved is a very personal thing. And what's difficult in the Western world that we find ourselves in is that people have head knowledge of who God is and who Christ is, but they have not surrendered lordship rule and reign. Mm -hmm. And so when we look out in our congregation, when we we look at our group of friends, we can't know in confidence who is or isn't saved just by a glance. 
And that makes things difficult because what it ends up doing is it ends up putting the burden of knowing and being confident and being saved on a personal level. So the question that's inevitably posed throughout this entire process is, are you saved? Have you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Because his final plead, I beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. This ministry of reconciliation that we're supposed to flesh out, which we'll talk about in a second, uh, was done for us by God. So we were receivers of it, then therefore communicators of it. And um, that's a in order to communicate it, you've got to receive it. And so that's just a very difficult way that it's framed. And it really drives everything towards, man, um, if you are not, then I hope through this podcast that you can um, maybe wrestle with some difficult things to not doubt your salvation, to become more confident in it, right? Um, but uh, to start from there. And if you have not yet been saved, I hope that he reveals that. And we've been praying that this is something that he uses to uh, allow hearts to soften and eyes to be opened to the reality of you and I, we need to be saved. And so if you haven't done it, you can. So um, he jumps in, the chance. So let's start with uh, understanding salvation chances. Go ahead. So he he dives in and, and he speaks to to the idea that, that Christ has died for for you you know we've made that specific before the bible says he he died for all people right for the for the world i think it's maybe it was in our small group um that we were talking through this and when you make it more personal it hits a little different and so you can you can reword that and and it says for uh god so loved the world that he died for tuck he died for me yeah for god so loved yeah for god so loved tuck and right, so, exactly. and it's it's that idea of he has given me, specifically me, a chance right now to make a decision one way or another. Do I, what do I do with that? Do I take it? Do I, do I reject it? And this is where, you know, one of those points of Calvinism comes in is, you know, do I have that free will to be able to, to act on that? And, and there's a, there's a, school of thought that says when I'm hit with that, it's irresistible. I have to I have to react to it. Mm-hmm. On another side, it it seems like, you know, maybe that feeling is just the irresistible nature of, of the Holy Spirit. And he's taking my free will saying, hey, make this choice. Do it. Right. It's one of those things that is is difficult on the outside, like you were saying, to see whether or not someone's saved. It's also hard to see within ourselves. Am I making this decision? Is God helping me make that? Is he softening my heart? All of those things are true right. all at the same time. So let's let's jump into this passage that helps articulate some of it. John 16 and starting verse 13. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, this is the Holy Spirit, he will guide you unto all the truth. For he will not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears— he will speak, and he will disclose to you what is to come. He will glorify me. This is Jesus. For he will take of mine and will disclose it to you. All the things that the Father of the Father are mine. Therefore, I have said he takes of mine 
and will disclose it to you. Jesus is describing the the Holy Spirit's role Mm -hmm. of drawing people into salvation, the revelation of who God is, who Christ is, the blindness is the 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 blindness that leads um, uh, to really uh, a lack of understanding is removed by the Holy Spirit. So it's John 16. And then if we jump over uh, to Ephesians and we just jump into chapter 2, we begin to understand the consequences of sin uh, and where where we can really be confident in what the role of God is throughout this. It's, it's chapter 2. It says, you were dead in your trespasses and sins. You were dead, right? And in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the, uh, to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working on the sons of disobedience. Among them, we too all formerly lived in the lusts of our flesh, indulging in the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath. So this is speaking to the way that we were before being saved. We were dead, children of wrath, our nature. This is just the consequences of our fallen world that we find ourselves in. But God, being rich in mercy because of his grace, listen to all of these, it's all him, uh, love, of, of his great love, which he loved us. Even when we were dead in our transgressions, he made us alive with Christ. By grace, you have been saved and raised up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ so that in the ages to come that he might show his surpassing riches of grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. So, that we can hold on to is true. We can come back to this understanding that it is, it is not of us, <laughs> and it is not of our works, that we were dead in our trespasses, we were lost, and now we're saved. It's a gift that he's given. By grace, you've been saved through faith. And so the chances of salvation, um, it's, a, it's a beautiful topic to touch as we navigate uh, Corinthians, um, but it's, a, uh, it's an interesting one um, because he says, therefore now... Uh, If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. If anyone is in Christ. So before we transition into the next point, um, my question that I would pose to all that listen is, are you in Christ? Right. Right. You must answer that question. Knowing about him is great. Uh, Knowing all the facts, going through the motions, going to church, reading your Bible, praying, all these things are incredibly important but they pale in comparison of having a position of being in Christ. Well, it's a foundation. If you don't have the right foundation of being in Christ, none of that matters. It may get you to that foundation, but yeah. by buying it in and of itself without salvation. Right. Well, I mean, reading the Word of God 
and applying the truth of Scripture, there are benefits to that. Of course, of right? course. There, but there ultimately, if but I'm not saved, eternally, eternally, right? Yes, yes. That's where I got to get to. Significant consequences, right? <laughs> Eternal consequences. Yeah. And so, um, if our the question is, are you one of those that is in Christ that He references here? Because if you are, some really good news, right? Um, some really good news. So, uh, so understanding salvation chances. Um, now let's walk through some of the the champion, uh, what it means um, as in Christ. Right. So, so then he emphasizes salvation is only in Christ alone. Mm-hmm. It's this exclusivity that he talks through about. You know, it challenges the contemporary views of religious tolerance. Right. That you know, people have said we're all going up the same mountain. We're just going different paths. Right. Um, and and he fights back with this scripture, saying, "No, it is only in Christ alone. It is yes. a it is a narrow path." Right, and I mean, Jesus also says this: "You you cannot get to the Father but through me." Right, right? and so it, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life, and and so it keeps being drawn back to, um, if you believe that there are many ways, then you do not believe the Word of God. Right. You cannot believe both because. One, the Word of God very, very clearly articulates there is one way, right. and it's only through the person of Christ. So, um, and so if we find ourselves in Christ, uh, now let's say we've worked through this and we understand that yes, uh, I have, uh, I've accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, or I think I have. Okay, and I understand who Christ is. That he came, that he, well, one, he's always existed. He was present uh, in terms of his, the Trinity was present um, before the creation itself took place. Um, that we know that he always has been and always will be. Uh, that he came down um, in the fullness of time and was born a virgin. He was both man and God. He lived a sinless life. For 30 years, he was working. And, and growing uh, and developing, and then inevitably, boom, the time came where his ministry began. And so he was baptized. He was publicly declared by the audible voice of God, this is my son of whom I'm well pleased at his baptism. The Holy Spirit then descends and rests upon him, which fulfills uh, a prophecy that the Messiah, the Holy Spirit, will rest upon him um, because he is God and man, but also his, mm-hmm. his purity, his perfection, right? And so now he's walking, empowered by the Holy Spirit, goes to the wilderness. He, 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 he does a dance with the devil. Um, he comes back having, with, uh, having overcome the temptations, and he's beginning to usher in the reality of the kingdom as he heals and as he saves and as he casts out demons and as he begins to teach something that is contradictory to the culture. And then inevitably it leads him to the cross, and he has died, and he is crucified. And the very people that sang Hosanna, Hosanna, are the same ones that declared, crucify him, crucify him, inevitably leading him to a spot to say, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. He dies, right? He dies, and he's buried. And three days later, he rises again, revealing himself 
to followers of Christ, um, hundreds of people in different locations, um, and in amazing, beautiful ways, the resurrected body of Christ emboldens the church as they continue in this journey of establishing the very thing that we get to benefit from and that we believe in today. And so these, these disciples that are making disciples and that are sharing, that, that everything points back to this person, Christ. Everything who is both God and man, the Son, empowered by the Holy Spirit, promises the coming and the sending of the Holy Spirit for all those that have put their faith in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, this seal, the Holy Spirit. And so that is the person. And so it is only in Christ. There's nothing that you can do. There's no way that you can live there's no level of, honestly, uh, articulation that earns you these things. It's, it's by the work of Christ, and it's for those that put their faith in him and his work. That is in Christ alone. So um, when we think through the champion, that's him, man. Mm-hmm. It's Christ, it's Christ, it's Christ through and through. And all things are seated, or he is at the right hand of the Father, and all things are beneath his feet. Uh, he rules, he reigns, he's a name above all names, he is the King of Kings. This is our champion, Jesus Christ. So if someone accepts him as their Lord and Savior, acknowledges who he is, uh, the next point that Dr. York worked through is the change that must take place. Right. So. So this is, I think, where a lot of us as as Christians now kind of really need to focus in on. Like we're on board that that we need to to take that salvation. We've been there for many of us years ago. Um, it's been through Jesus, and then now I think we we all need to then relook again and check in on on our change, right? So the the whole idea is that this transformative aspect of salvation has to has to show in our lives is that we are a new creation in Christ and you know if you've listened to to our testimony episodes you will hear this over and over and over again the the difference that Jesus has made in people's lives and it's it's universal right because when he comes in and saves us there there just has to be this change of whatever we formerly were, dead in our sins, now alive, a new creature. And you see this in, in our lives. And I think this is what we need to kind of check in again is that we need to, to make sure somewhat on a, on a regular basis, are we leaving behind these things of the old life? And are we, are we embracing our new life? Are we diving into it? Are we, you know, showing those fruits that you yeah. were talking about. What I loved that Dr. Ewert sat in for a minute uh, was understanding when in verse 17, he is a new creature, the newness. Mm-hmm. So the Greek, the Greek can either be new as in time, so it's a, it's a, a young, a new, or in quality. It is cleaned and purified. Mm-hmm. That that reference is not in time. That reference is in purity. And so you are a new creature. The old is gone. So often we spend time 
carrying, holding on to, bringing with us into new seasons, new years, new chapters, stuff that needs to stay in the past. Right. And right. he mentioned that that struggle of holding, trying to hold on to the old, right. but also being the new. Right, right, right. So this, 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 the, the, what did he say? The most unhappy person that he's ever met are people that are in this. I want to uh, be new. I, I am new, but I want to be old. Mm-hmm. And this, like this, this, this internal conflict that takes up. Because if we have the Holy Spirit as believers in Jesus, if we are in Christ, we have the Holy Spirit, right? And so the Holy Spirit, one of His primary roles is this conviction and the sanctification of ourselves as we work through. He's a lamp unto our feet, and He convicts us of sin that is contradictory to the very nature of God. And and if we are living in sin, if we're participating in those old things, we will be constantly Constantly under conviction. So that's one possible outcome. Miserable. <laughs> right. Internal division, yeah. turmoil, conflict. The yoke is not easy and the burden is not light. Right? Fear, identity issues, all this stuff comes out of that. The other camp is if you know about God, you've got the head knowledge, and you're trying to do the best you can at living a fruitful life, but you're dead. Mm-hmm. And you don't have the Holy Spirit. That's the other side of the camp that's also miserable. So spiritually dead, but trying to live a Christian life, which is only possible through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, right? We can't live like Christ if we don't have the Holy Spirit. And so these two types of this two this dynamic is tough. And if we're one of these two things, we won't be happy. And so the accepting in our minds and understanding the word of God for truth, right? If we just really take it and believe it and accept it, and even though we feel different, even though we struggle still, if we accept this reality that in this, that we are a new creation, that old things have passed away, behold, new things have come. It gives us more of an opportunity to enjoy some of the things that God has done through the person of Christ for us rather than focusing on all the junk that we keep messing up and bringing with ourselves. We're focused on me, 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 me. And it fits on him and we accept his love and forgiveness and the price that he paid and the perfection that he lived for me. Then that change begins to take place, empowered by the Holy Spirit. And it gives us space to sit in these virtues, to worship God, to pray continually, to live by the Bible, to share joyfully, to meet together, to serve others, and to make Jesus known. These become the disciplines that allow us to experience life at a deeper level because we're a new creation and the old self is gone. It It was an illustration was given to me that I thought was beautiful. I'm trying to remember when it was. I don't remember the pastor that did it. I mean, you hear it all the time, though. It's like the thermostat and thermometer thing. It's like, oh, man, be a thermostat, not a thermometer. Have you heard that one? One of them tells what it is, yeah, and one, one of them adjusts it. Ch- changes it. Changes it. Yeah, yeah. Well, this one is, uh, the. there's a reason why the windshield is much larger than the rearview mirror, right? Yeah. Focus on what God has done and what he's doing and what he is in front. Like, fix your eyes on him, sober-minded, not divided, just solely fixed. Hebrews, fix your mind on him, mm-hmm. right? Don't look to the right or the left and get your eyes out of that rearview mirror because the old things are gone, right? For a moment, 
take this as an opportunity to stop, to repent, to agree to see sin as he sees it, <laughs> to surrender, to submit to his lordship, and enjoy abiding in him. And what I loved about this last Sunday is we did it. Uh, we celebrate baptism. Uh, we sat in this message of meat that brings us to we had communion as a body. And it, it really allowed us to uh, get things right and to step into this new year, aligned, repented, um, surrendered. And, uh, and I thought it was a beautiful conclusion uh, of our year, <laughs> of this difficult year, of this amazing year. Um, and uh, uh, of, of this topic of salvation um, as we participated in communion, just remembering the body and the blood. Absolutely. So I'm going to turn this towards our listeners, you know, as, as we are starting to, to close up uh, this episode, I, I want to talk to you all and, and encourage you, like Bennett was doing, to reflect on your own lives, right? We are at the close of 2023. We're going to leave that behind. We're going to take the good things and move them forwards with us, but but really look and figure out what decisions or commitments are necessary for you. You know, we've we've mentioned before just recently that the salvation is an intensely personal thing. You cannot be saved by who your spouse is, right. by who your parents are, by what church you go to, what small group you attend. It only is with you and Christ. Just those two. You got to figure it out between between the two of you. If you are saved, and then what kind of a change that needs to bring about in your life. Right. And I, I always think it's really healthy to even have some people around you that you can ask the honest questions to. Yeah. And do you see some fruit in my <laughs> life? Um, and I don't think it's ever wrong to sit there and say, Lord, to have a moment in your life to say, Lord, am I saved? Yeah. Um, because if you cannot say with confidence that you are, um, then I think it's a great question to be asking yourself. It's probably the most beneficial question you can be asking yourself today. Um, but whenever you can come to a clear understanding of your salvation, uh, not knowing everything that we talked through at the very beginning of, uh, of Calvin versus <laughs> Arminius there, but, um, but coming to a conclusion um, that you are saved, that the Word of God clearly articulates and frames out what it means, and you believe that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, then you can with confidence acknowledge that. Mm. And then the next question is, let us surrender, let us repent, let us practice these things that we see Jesus practicing, that we've written out as kind of like our virtues, the seven virtues of a kingdom seeker, and let us continue to fall in love over and over with our champion, with our Christ, with our Savior, with our King, Jesus. Uh, and let this year be one that we experience him transforming our lives to look more like him because we are we are receivers right we are receivers um of this reconciliation uh and then therefore now we're ambassadors to share it uh and i love and i'll end with this um that jesus in the in the sermon on the mount he talks through this and uh one of the when i did a deep study into it 
um, I just really enjoyed what I came across in verse 9 of chapter 5. It says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. These peacemakers, it's really this ministry of reconciliation. They don't just like make peace, but they're also evangelists Mm -hmm. that draw people into the only real source of peace, which is God, right? Mm -hmm. And peace that comes from being in right standing with him and understanding adoption by him and identity through him, all things through the lens of our loving, incredible, pursuitful creator. That's where peace comes. And that process, honestly, is reconciliation. And so the people in our family, the people at our office, the people that we see, are we ushering them steps closer to receiving the benefits of being reconciled unto God? Because that's our that we're we're ambassadors of that. Mm-hmm. If we're benefactors and we believe it, man, we, we can't help but share it. And so um, that's my challenge and encouragement to those that can confidently say, Yeah, I'm a believer. And so let's do something about it. Absolutely. So I think it was it was a very convicting sermon from yeah. Dr. Ewer. Hopefully yeah. this was a little convicting as well. Um, if there is anything that we can do, uh, if you would like to connect with our church or learn more about what we do here at Temple, uh, you can visit us at temple.church. If you have any questions or if you would like to share your own testimonies, you can reach out to us uh, at our email, templetalk at temple.church. Um, Happy 2024, and may this be the year that God makes some big moves in our lives. Until next time, may the grace and peace of Christ be with you all. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Temple Talk. We hope that digging into God's Word together has enriched your perspective and brought encouragement. If you have any questions or topics you'd like to hear discussed on the podcast, feel free to email them at templetalk at temple.church. You can also visit our website at temple.church for more resources. We pray God will continue to bless you and your loved ones as you seek him in scripture. We'll see you next time on Temple Talk.